Coming up today on Locked On Texas Tech, we're talking guys with whistles, guys with visors, guys who love L.A., and guys whose seats are on fire. You are Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're going to start this thing off right. Everything runs through Lubbock. Great to be with you again on Locked On Texas Tech on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making us your first listen each day on YouTube or anywhere you get podcasts. He's the only Chris Level. I'm Casey Cowan. And Chris, kicking off today's episode uh, with a conversation I didn't anticipate having about an old friend of ours that is former Red Raider QB and former Texas Tech head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, who is in the news this week as he has found his next football destination, and it actually will be working for another former friend of ours uh, in Texas Tech's very own Lincoln Riley. USC is the scene. This dude must love L.A. Chris, I, I know that we felt like, hey, he's got a lot of options here as far as the next stop is concerned, but uh, I don't know about you. I didn't exactly see... Uh, a college destination, maybe in, in Cliff's immediate future, but uh, here we are. He's going to be back in Los Angeles. I I, I think this is this is like a, a fun headline to me because I never thought I never put that together. That because you know Cliff uh, obviously you know he he departed here and it, it didn't necessarily work out. Then he gets an opportunity in Arizona and has them playing some good football at different times, but ultimately it just, that, that that's a hard thing to sustain, especially if there's QB issues and, and relationship issues and contractual issues, all the things that are going on with the Arizona Cardinals. And so, you know, it, it both last stops, he's really, it, it walks away with a ton of money at each spot because I think even before last year, in Arizona, he'd gotten a basically a, a brand new contract extension, and I say all that to to, to mention that he, he basically could have sat out and done nothing, or could have really picked and choosed on whatever he wanted to do. And I think it's pretty uh, fascinating to me that he ends up in L.A. working for uh, and with a guy that we we know well in, in Lincoln, uh, who you know. Uh, cut his teeth at, at East Carolina and Oklahoma, and obviously before that uh, here uh, at, at Texas Tech under Mike Leach from Mule Shoe, Texas. But I, I, I think it's kind of a win-win for those two guys, uh, if, if if you think about it. I mean, it really is. It's a it's a win-win scenario for USC and USC uh, or Trojan football, I should say. A couple of Red Raiders. Yeah, I, I thought this was really interesting because I was thinking National Football League again or bust. I just got some feel. Um, and it's probably my own bias against what I perceive as a college job and what it what it requires. But uh, I just got some feel with Coach Kingsbury that you know maybe the professional ranks where you can more so just keep the mind on football and not marketing, sales, and all that comes with recruiting. Uh, I I kind of thought maybe that was where he more so fit into the mold, so to speak. And I, I really even hate to say that because I don't know that there is a mold. Uh, that he fits into <laughs> as a football mind, an OC or a QB whisperer or whatever you want to call him. Did you get something similar? Uh, when you say you're surprised, is it more like the spot within college football or is it just college football in general as opposed to being back in the NFL? 
Probably neither. It, it just, I think what surprised me was like, he's going to go work with Lincoln. You know, like, I mean, they, they've coached against each other. They have uh, kind of been, you know, different eras of the Mike Leach, you know, deal and, and, and all that. And I just, um, that, that part I thought was just kind of like, whoa. I mean, you know, just, it just kind of hit me. And, and, and what's fascinating is this clip almost joined the USC staff prior to taking the Arizona Cardinals job. And in fact, I guess he had, had like 35 days, right? Yeah. He had as, yeah, as the offensive coordinator. That's right. So, <clears throat> but I, I think if you're Lincoln and I know we're talking a lot of uh, USC football and all that stuff, but uh, I think it's just kind of fascinating because you've got, you've got somebody who can now focus on some of the other things. Doesn't have to worry about his quarterbacks. Doesn't have to worry about if they're going to be coached well, I think that Lincoln can also learn a lot from Cliff too. Schematically, uh, they can teach each other, probably learn from each other, and so you know. And he's not. I, I think you know. Sometimes when you're the head coach and you bring somebody like that in that is very high profile, you, you're a little insecure about man. Does he want my job? Is he going to take my job? I don't think you have any concerns there because I, I would guess that it, at some level, Cliff wants no part of that job. And that's the that's why it's so easy to hire a guy like that <clears throat> that you've known and you can trust. And it's obviously and, and think about it from a recruiting standpoint. I mean, look, I, I unearthed Patrick Mahomes. I coach Kyler Murray. I, you know, he's he's got some uh, he's got some nice uh, feathers in his cap from a QB standpoint. And then obviously he was a really good player and all those things too. So I, I would say that if you're if you're Lincoln Riley, that uh, yeah, you're you're winning there. Yeah, I think what you bring up about uh, the hire and sort of the hierarchy that could come with this is really intriguing to me because Cliff Kingsbury is now a football presence if he wasn't before. But, um, you know, there are skins on the wall, I think, from a recruiting perspective, when you're talking about time spent in the National Football League, there's a whole lot to point to, not to mention the specific athletes that he's been involved involved with. Um, and I don't really think – I mean, we're talking about the freaking Arizona Cardinals for crying out loud. It's no great sin for a head coach to not be able to establish a winner with the Arizona Cardinals. So I don't think there's like some tremendous, um, you know, shine that's been taken off of how you view Cliff Kingsbury in certain football circles, Chris. So that, that part is interesting because you know there's always that kind of over-your-shoulder like who's coming after me in this cutthroat business or who is my boss looking at and saying, I don't know, I'm pretty excited. Maybe about this Tadlock guy over here that we we brought onto the staff once upon, you know, you just never know. So I, I'm I'm surprised by how this could all I guess fit together in a certain way. And man, thinking back to when Cliff Kingsbury was in Lubbock and the way I used to just kind of you know speculate in my own mind about what his future, his football future could hold. I honestly thought when he leaves Texas Tech, whatever it looks like for better or worse, and I didn't think he would leave as an unsuccessful tech coach and wind up in the NFL, if you know that's what happened. I did have a lot of thoughts about, or maybe just hopes <laughs> about him being successful at tech and then winding up in the national football league. But uh, I didn't anticipate it, it looking like this. So I guess there is some connection to that college game, maybe for coach Kingsbury that, that runs a little bit deeper uh, that, that I anticipated, at least from a coaching perspective. And again, I'd probably emphasize this to a great degree, Chris, he loves L.A. I mean, that's really what I got to think is playing into this in large part also. I don't know if he didn't want to go be a Los Angeles Ram or a Los Angeles Charger or whatever, but uh, 
yeah, this is going to be really interesting to see it play out. And I wonder, I just wonder, uh, if there is someday uh, another college head coaching opportunity, uh, is Cliff Kingsbury ever going to be a guy that entertains that kind of thing? Because I was a little bit surprised to just hear you say maybe a moment ago that um, part of why you can be secure if you're Lincoln Riley uh, or confident in adding this to your staff, this kind of piece to your staff, which is a large presence, could be the thought that he wouldn't want uh, that head coach's job anymore. Uh, that would be a little surprising just given human nature, I think. But Cliff Kingsbury is a pretty unique character, I guess, uh, himself, right? Yeah, and he's I, – I, I'm, I'm serious. I, I don't think he uh, – I, I, again, I could be wrong. Plans change. I just, But I, I, don't, I don't think he would want to deal with all that comes with it. He, he had a hard enough – you know, struggled just here and like this is his alma mater and all those things of just kind of doing all the things that come with being a head coach. And then and then really it's changed a bunch since then with the portal and with NIL and, and, and all those things. But he's a brilliant offensive coach. Uh, I think he's, you know, and that's why, you know, I just uh, I would envision a scenario to where he could really stay there and, and do that as long as he wanted to. Lincoln's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. I mean, Lincoln's one of the top coaches in the country uh, uh especially offensively i think he fits usc and obviously usc going to the big 10 here pretty soon but uh, i i think you could you know uh, and again it, there's something to be said about freedom in life you know and, and being able to kind of pick and choose what you want to do because money is not of, of a concern and i think that's where that's where cliff is man in the, these these days he's done really well outside of football he's done well in football from the standpoint of he's been paid very well and um, and obviously he's gotten let go from Texas Tech and, and from Arizona, but he's done, done so. I wish I wish I could get let go in the way that he was uh, with as much money as he's walked away with, because <laughs> at that point it just gives you it gives you a ton of uh, freedom to be able to kind of do what you want, and you don't have to do anything if that's not what you want to do. But these guys are they're they're football guys, man. They like being around the 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 routine and the grind and. And, and and being a part of something and all that and time off is great but I just think that it, it it's your it's your core you know it's it's fun to to coach and be around and and learn and progress and all these different things and you get to do it in Los Angeles so anyway but uh, yeah and I saw headline. photos of what he was doing in Timbuktu or wherever <laughs> he went for a while so I'm surprised yeah. he wants to be doing anything back stateside but. Uh, uh, the guy's a worker, I guess. What can, what can we say? All right, well, that's going to make L.A. football a little bit more interesting for probably a few West Texans or Red Raiders here or there and, and certainly wishing him success. And I don't know, Chris, all that came with his alma mater and being the head coach may not exactly be the same as what would come with being the head coach in a totally different spot. A man is a prophet, but in his hometown. And really, there are some probably freeing things that come with not, you know, having that history, that emotional tie-in, and all that makes it so personal uh, when it is a spot that you spent years, obviously, as a student athlete and uh, playing quarterback here in West Texas. Let's stick with the guys with the whistles. Coming up next, we'll talk about our guy right here in Lubbock, Joey McGuire. I mentioned skins on the wall a moment ago. What do the skins on the wall for Joey McGuire actually look like after year one, we know what the record was, but where did he really establish some credibility as a college head coach? I want to get some of that specifically and also what we like, right? Off-season lists. Where is Joey McGuire in the new expanded Big 12? Coaches from top to bottom. 
We had a list thrown out this week I want to get to, and we'll have some thoughts of where we think Coach McGuire fits in next on Locked on Texas Tech. But first, today's episode brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. NBA postseason on your mind. Now's the perfect time to get in as a new customer with FanDuel. Download the FanDuel app today, and you're going to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet don't bank. You feel me? Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on anything and everything. Money line, point scores, how many fans LeBron gets kicked out in the first quarter, whatever you want, they got it. Plus, FanDuel is even going to let you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout. Smoking on that same game parlay pack, my man, only with FanDuel. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet. Up to $1,000 in bonus bets today when you go to FanDuel.com. Slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more and make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thanks for joining us on Locked On Texas Tech on the Locked On Podcast Network with Chris Level. I'm Casey Cowan. Glad to have you with us as we're coming to you from west of the 100th Meridian where it's really going down. Another beautiful day in the great state. Thanks for making us a part of yours. Subscribe on YouTube so you never miss an episode if you haven't so far. Don't mind you taking that test drive, but I want you to come on in and hop in for the long haul. Join the fam damnly and take your place in the galaxy of stars known as Locked on Texas Tech YouTube subscribers. Putting that on a t-shirt, I think, pretty soon. Uh, Chris, I'm a sucker for off-season lists, unintentional rhyme master with us today. And I saw this one I had to comment on because not only is it an off-season list, but it's one I was a little taken aback by where Joey McGuire was appearing within. This is from On3 Sports. Three, two, one, go. So take it for whatever you want to, but I'll just go ahead and tell you right now, they've got our guy Joey McGuire at number nine of 14 as they're ranking the present soon to be on the field, expanded but not yet contracted Big 12 that includes 14 teams. Also putting that on a T-shirt, I think, and selling it there at conference headquarters. So Joey McGuire, number nine. Let me give you the rundown here really quickly before we dive into it. Chris Kleiman, number one at K-State. Sonny Dykes, number two at Texas Christian. Lance Leipold, number three uh, of the Kansas Jayhawks. Mike Gundy, four. Gus Malzahn of Central Florida. Uh, get familiar with that name again, is at number five, Kalani Sataki, which sounds delicious, uh, but is also a BYU head coach. Don't even know if I'm saying it right. My first stab at it. He's at number six. Matt Campbell is at number seven, leaning on some prior laurels of Iowa State. Aranda ahead of McGuire right there, eight and nine. And then 10 through 14, you got Sarkeesian, Venables, a little high for my taste. Holgerson is at 12. Scott Satterfield of Cincinnati, 13. Our old buddy Neil Brown, they've got the bottom of the list at number 14. Let's hone in on McGuire first, Chris, uh, because obviously we know what the record was. It was something that we could be pretty excited about. But we know about the finish, the bowl opponent, and that victory, and then beating opponents your fans care about. So all of these things are kind of out there in the, the big picture of what made Joey McGuire's first season at Texas Tech successful. But I wonder, you can touch on some of those things if you want to, but even beyond that, where do you think really 
Coach McGuire maybe earned some things as far as like, all right, here's a little college cred now uh, as a as a head coach here on the resume. Was it, you know, getting a little more out of a team that maybe uh, wasn't expected to do what they did? Was it managing adversity? Was it just the energy keeping that up? I mean, where do you think, uh, from your perspective, you really saw Coach McGuire kind of now for the first time as a head coach on this level uh, assert himself and and really make somebody feel the Joey McGuire effect. Yeah, and and the and the beauty of a list is it it is uh, intended to you know create conversation, and here we are um, <laughs> talking about <laughs> this list because everybody's going to have like agree, disagree, agree with the disagreement, you know, on and on it goes. Um, my guy's not high enough. My guy's too low. What is going on? Well, how can you you know, be so crazy as to have this guy at number two? Um, I, I think Joey uh, earned a lot of uh, – I, I don't know where I would have placed him on this list. I think part of it is, like, what are the parameters of a list like this? Like, is this is this career achievement? Is this popularity contest? Is this, you know, um, w- w- you know based off of last season, which is kind of what this list looks like to me, that it's really a snapshot of, of just last year. <clears throat> And, and and that's why you know I think uh, Aranda's a bit lower and Sonny Dykes is a bit higher. Neil Brown's really low. Dana Holgerson's really low. I mean, that that that's why I I'd, I'd look at uh, this as maybe just like a glance at last year alone. Uh, but I, I I think Joey earned a lot of uh, street cred, if you will, by you know, look. Three different quarterbacks. You you end up four and five after nine games, and then you you end up uh, you know winning. Uh, you know, w- winning some of those down the stretch, and you you win a bowl game, and I just think you 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 finish strong. And I I don't know, I I just think that his arrow, like you can look at this list and like put an arrow next to each guy's name on where they're trending. Joey's there, there's an arrow pointing up for Joey McGuire. That that's for sure. I think with some of these guys that you're either holding steady, uh, some of them will be pointing down. Uh, but I think Joey's arrow is pointing up, and if they have the kind of season that we would expect this year, he'll be much higher on a on a list like this or in a conversation like this uh, a year from now. Yeah, it'd definitely be something where you were wanting to to buy stock in number nine. I think right now, or at least as a tech fan, yeah. uh, I feel like I would be. I don't know. I know a lot of people are maybe looking uh, non tech fans are looking from afar and thinking, "What in the world are they so excited about?" You're seven and five in the regular season, eight and five overall, but you don't know. You don't know what we've been through. Chris, I really think as you're kind of describing there, where did Joey McGuire rise above? If there are skins on the wall to point to, what do they actually read? Because they don't read Big 12 title. They don't read, you know, some things that you might think uh, when you think of, all right, what, what, what do skins on the wall actually look like? Um, but to me, it does kind of go back to what you were just saying right there. Not only multiple quarterbacks, but I think going back to the realm of just some bad luck from an injury standpoint, but your team continues to compete, succeed, and seemingly get better as the year goes on, which really speaks in large part. And I, I need to say we're including, obviously, when we say Joey McGuire, staff impact, <laughs> Joey McGuire staff impact. But I think there's some indication there, Chris, that, yeah, this team isn't just banking on like this one really great player, you know, to give them any chance here or there. It was all about next man up. They all preach it, but do their teams actually practice it? No, not all of them. But 
the one that was under Joey McGuire in year one in Lubbock absolutely did because not only with the quarterback position, but you're thinking about the offensive line. You're even thinking on the defensive side of the football, Chris, at the most important point in the year, arguably, Tyree Wilson has lost. And then somehow it's almost like you continue to excel as a defense and get better and better and better. There's always been a great envy uh, for me as a Tech fan watching uh, other programs across the conference or elsewhere get better as the season goes along because nothing nothing stays the same week to week. You're getting better, you're getting worse. And I think for a simple-minded guy like me, one of the easy tells – uh, for what I view to be a well-coached football program or football team, is a team that is improving throughout the year. And, man, I don't know how long it's been since I thought, yeah, into October, into November, you were a better team than you were in September. That that hasn't been some common feeling, but I had that feeling a season ago, and I think it comes back to those three words. It's as popular of a cliche to sell as a coach as there is next man up but it's also as valuable of a trait uh or an identity trait I, I think for any team to have and we saw that last year quarterback most visibly but that wasn't the only spot that we saw the next man up uh being ready when his name was called and contributing right yeah you know and, and i i think uh because what what you're all what you're talking about who really is is the culture part and the the, the vibe he creates the energy that he creates uh the the mood that surrounds, I mean, the, the, the whole program is kind of uh, relevant all of a sudden. And I think so much of that is about what Joey has preached and what his kids have bought into. And you're right. It's, it's uh, positivity. It's next man up. It's, and, and then ultimately getting results. I mean, you, you could have had, you know, a lot of this, right. these same talks and all that, but if you don't get the results, then it, it doesn't carry as much uh, weight or, or water or whatever. But because you got results and and you 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 dealt with some adversity and all those things, I just think that uh, people have, have kind of bought in, and I think Joey's made a lot of positive headline, positive noise, uh, and and made the program relevant. All of a sudden, it's something that people are are talking about. Um, and and I you mentioned Tyree Wilson too. I mean, he he has a lot to do with with kind of the emergence here in, in this first year, just because of. Sure. <laughs> yeah, his, his rise to stardom, if you will, his uh, him likely being a top 10 pick here in, in a few weeks. I think that, you know, but it just can't be understated that uh, or, or overstated that the the, the three quarterback issues and the, and the fact that you still had results, the fact that you still ended uh, positively and that you you ended up winning your bowl game and all that while dealing with. You know, again, some semi-different offense uh, three different times based on what you had uh, under center and, and what you were trying to enhance with them under center and, and who was available. You had some injuries at wide receiver and on and on it goes, offensive line, um, you know. And so anyway, but I just – I think that, that Joey's earned a lot of uh, deserved credit. I don't know if he's – as high as he should be on this list. I mean, they maybe should be a little bit higher, but again, this is a snapshot of kind of, I think maybe some career achievement, maybe some, what, what, uh, what you did last year. And, and, and I get it. You were eight and five. You didn't, you didn't win any, anything substantial. You did beat Texas and Oklahoma and you did win your bowl game. So you've got a Texas bowl trophy to show for it. But I just, I, the, the real question would be, 
is if you look at a list like this and then you try to project what it what it looks like a year from now, that that would be a fun exercise. Like kind of try to project, okay, what does this thing look like a year from now? Who's going to win the Big 12? Who's going to take their team to the national title game or to a New Year's Day type bowl game? Who's going to fail miserably? Uh, who's going to get fired? I mean, I, you know, I don't know, but that, that would be a fun exercise to kind of look at it ahead and, and try to project on if those arrows that are next to these guys pointing up or down or holding steady, you know, pr- project what it what it looks like a year from now. I don't I don't know. It'd be difficult to do, but I, I'd be willing to bet you, though, that Joey ends up much higher on a list like this a year from now. Yeah, kind of hard to to project what you think about some of the newcomers, especially. But obviously, Gus Malzahn, uh, a proven name in college football. Uh, Chris Kleiman at the top of the list. Yeah. Eh, okay. I, I, I think a lot of people be willing to accept it, but interesting. And Big 12 championship, you know, I I, yep. uh, I think uh, he's somebody that squeezes about, you know, and they're just really good. It's kind of boring style of football, but they, they just win, man. And it's uh, – he, he, No, I like what you're about to say too, and I want to apply that to McGuire, squeezing yeah. every drop out of what he's got or something along – like you're getting everything yep. out of every guy you've got on the roster, and that is another telltale sign of a really impactful coach. Which is probably why a guy like Lance Leipold, who hasn't done a lot uh, yet, he's probably higher on this list than than I think most people would would think. Because I mean, they were where they start out six and zero, oh, and then finished up what six and seven, I think, on the year. And yet he's what is he third on this list? And I yeah. think though that people, if you've been around Kansas football and known the the scholarship limitations they've dealt with and just how bad it's been to get college game day there, to get uh, sellout crowds going. I mean, you know, because I mean, I've, I've been in that stadium where I think we counted uh, right around kickoff, we counted like 500 people. Um, you know, uh, Harris, Harris and Jensen and I one time were like, okay, it was one of those 11 a.m. deals. Kansas was terrible. Tech wasn't a ton better, but you, you, were, you were favored to win by 17, 18 points, whatever it was. And I think 30 minutes before kickoff, we're like, boys, I wonder if, if, if they listed the kickoff time wrong somewhere around the, the campus because, you know, and so it got to be right around kickoff. And we just started, we started, hey, you, you take these six sections, I'll take these six, let's count how many people are in here. And yeah, it, well, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was not a whole lot, man. But he's kind I'm of impressed. That, Y'all that, made yeah. it all the way up that high. For, I mean, especially for radio guys. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm about a one, two, ten, uh, five hundred. Yeah. <laughs> they told me there'd be no math. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> hey, before we get out of here, hot seat ranking. <laughs> this is always the more interesting one to me, oh, yeah. as far as like who is hanging by a thread. And I just want to keep it with guys uh, that we're a little bit more familiar with right now, Chris. Uh, Dana Holgerson and Neil Brown. Holgerson always, Holgerson almost seems like he's been doing a Gundy Oklahoma State impression aside from the success on the field. But we're like, every offseason, it's like acrimony, 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 acrimony. And then we just kind of stay together uh, continuously. For some reason, I feel like Holgerson's potential hot seat is much different than Neil Brown's, who I would say is the hottest of them all. Uh, heading into this upcoming season there's I don't know maybe the pressure is actually greater when you join the Big 12 and now you're on a bigger platform if you're Houston but I was about to say maybe there's like some little grace period as you join the Big 12 and are on a bigger platform bigger challenges I don't know how do you see the hot seat aspect 
uh, with those two or, or anybody else in the league heading into 2023? Yeah, you know, I uh, I think uh, I think Dana has been very outspoken. You know, he's mentioned some facility stuff. Uh, I think he's kind of almost said, "Man, you know, you see my buyout. I'm not on any kind of hot seat. That's laughable." I don't I don't know what his relationship <laughs> is with with the administration and all that. He's He's outspoken. I think he's very transparent at, at times and blunt, uh, if you will. And I think it, it kind of some people love it. Some people are kind of turned off by it, if you will. Uh, I, I think he's been very outspoken, though, about the, the, the facility aspect away from their stadium, like the day to day stuff that needs to really, you know, uh, Im- improve dramatically to catch up with the rest of the uh, of the Big 12 from a recruiting standpoint and all those things. I don't know if he's uh, on the hot seat per se, but I think that's probably worth monitoring. I think that he's had some success. Um, you know, they, they knew what they were getting when they brought him back. Uh, but, you know, and, and it, it, this is going to be tougher, you know. And, I mean, you, you watched their sideline last year and you got guys taking swings at each other. And Houston's a hard <laughs> place to coach at. Um, you know, Art, you know, Art Bryles has done a good job with it. Uh, Sumlin did a good job with it. Uh, Sonny's done a good job with it. It's a place where you can win, but you you get you get a lot of, you know the the, you know Houston kids that aren't away from maybe people they need to be away from, and, it, and sometimes it's hard. I guess what I'm saying it's it's hard to keep them uh, from being distracted and all that stuff. So. Uh, I'll just be interested to see kind of what what the what the trajectory there is, but you know they, they've they've won, and, and and I'll be I'll be honest. So much of what Dana's season uh, this next year is going to be about is is somebody like Donovan Smith. I mean, like how how well how well does Donovan Smith acclimate, and and is he in fact the starter? And uh, so so we'll see. And with Neil. I think Neil is legitimately on the hot seat. I think uh, I, I I will say this: there's a new athletic director there, so that that creates a different dynamic. But whoever did the scheduling for Neil Brown in the non-conference, you know, ju- you, you've just set him up to fail. I mean, they they play for West Virginia anyway, but they play one of the tougher non-conference schedules every year. There is no there is no gimme or guarantee game. They're playing some of these are like regional rivalry type stuff, which are really spicy. Yep. And that doesn't even fact like your your Virginia Techs, your Pitts, uh, you know stuff like that in the non-conference. I'm talking multiple of these games. It, it would it would be like like Texas Tech playing, you know, um, TCU and New Mexico every non-conference, and then you had the Big Twelve schedule to go before TCU actually joined it. When those two schools want every bit of what you've got and and have it circled and all that. Anyway, I just don't know if he's been given a fair shake from a scheduling standpoint, but there's no doubt he's got to win. And, you know, that's why Graham Harrell, I think, kind of got out of there and went to Purdue. Uh, I, I think, you know, you, you could just – you can kind of follow the tea leaves a little bit on kind of coaches and and, and the way staffs are put together uh, for fear of, okay, man, I'm about, they're about to get me here, you know. So I, I think Neil's a really good guy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, bottom line, Neil's an awesome dude, man, and I think I think people genuinely up there like him. They just haven't won enough games, you know, and that's what it ultimately comes down to. But Ren Baker, the new AD, will likely have and, and and to localize it again, like Donovan Smith with Houston. You're you're in Morgantown. I think it's in late September, and I think 
that's going to be extremely interesting timing for you to be up there when the Red Raiders are up in Morgantown because uh, they will have played a really tough non-conference schedule. They could be semi-buried by that point and desperately needing a win. They could be riding high right now, and they could be one of the stories of the Big 12 if they've won two or three of those games, depending on how they did it. And you could be you know, the timing is just going to be tricky for Texas Tech, I guess is my point, because they, either, they could be desperate. They could be really, um, you know, riding some momentum. You, you know, not sure what you're going to get. I do like it, though, that it's in late September and not uh, later than that, because the weather will certainly cooperate. But <laughs> yeah, that's always an interesting trip, yeah. uh, pretty much regardless. But uh, looking forward to figuring out maybe whether it will be Neil or someone else. Uh, who's getting the old, hey, last one left, turn out the lights kind of treatment as the uh, rats flee from a sinking ship in some regards. Uh, Chris, man, enjoyed the perspectives of the time as always, dude. We'll do it again on the other side, so make sure you're subscribed on YouTube or anywhere you get podcasts. See you then, Chris. Yes, sir. Keep hope alive, people. We'll talk to you tomorrow. You got it. Thanks for joining us, making us a part of your day whenever, wherever. However, you're doing it. For Chris Level, I'm Casey Cowan. We'll see you next time on Locked On Texas Tech.